Hello, Govna. This is a little spooky, a <laughs> podcast about things that spook us just a little bit, like aliens, cryptids, conspiracies, or when you use Snapchat filters and it catches a shadow behind you, puking a rainbow. My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen. How are you, Colleen? Doing good. Doing good. You know, I've noticed that my Snapchat filters are not the same as your Snapchat filters. Like, I have a Samsung Galaxy, and you have an iPhone, and you get cool ones, and mine are all, like, boring, cute filters. Is that bad? Yeah. I want the ones where you, like, bleed from the eyes and have rainbow hair and stuff. Instead, I always have to have, like, hearts on my face. Anyway, so uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I mean, whatever, man. I'm just I'm just recovering from last week. I think we're all moving past the fourth dimension. I'm ready to talk about something a little more grounded. So what are we talking about today? This topic is totally grounded, as in it comes from the ground, as in it Beats. R- r- <laughs> rises from the ground. We're talking vampire. Do they rise from the ground? I thought they came out of coffins. Well, where do you put coffins? I suppose. Well, you know what? No, I don't know what. <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I picked vampires because they're fascinating. And everybody in high school seemed to call me one. Mm-hmm. I never saw it, <laughs> but apparently everyone else did. I mean, you were pale, you had dark hair, and you had slightly sharp canine teeth. Okay, I did. <laughs> I got braces, but I didn't get them until senior year of high school, so I was pretty fanged out. Oh, I until thought then. I thought you were at, like had a grill or like vampire fake Halloween teeth or something. Nope, those were all natural. Mm-hmm. Anyways, today we're talking about vampires. Every culture. All, like, pretty much every culture has some kind of blood or energy-sucking monster. I suppose, yeah, because even in a previous episode, we've talked about uh, Wendigos, and I guess mm-hmm. that's a form of vampire. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. So, before I start, because I have a lot of descriptions of, like, different cultures around the world and how they see vampires, but mm-hmm. before we start, what is a vampire to you like just describe everything you know about vampires i mean obviously like bram stoker's type where or like nosferatu where it's just like pale gentlemen usually with a widow's peak Mm -hmm. sharp teeth drinks blood usually infatuates women sleeps in a coffin most often can't go in the daylight Mm. afraid of Religious objects and garlic. Um, silver bullets are sometimes involved, but that's more werewolves. No, Well, yes and no. Right. Silver is just kind of a catch-all for most evil creatures, it seems. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And I guess they turn other people, too. That's all I can think of. But there seem to be a lot of, like, specific rules Oh yeah. when it comes yeah. to being a vampire. Can't be in daytime. Yeah. Have to I've live always off found that so strange. Why? Like, you're this all-powerful, undead creature, but, like, 
they got to invite you into your house. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you can be, you have to use this kind of wood in a stake through their heart. Oh, and I never realized it was like a specific one. I just some thought it was some, a sometimes. wooden stake through the heart. Sometimes it's a specific one. I'll, I'll get into it. How rare are the wooden stakes? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it took me a second. I like and them I was very rare. <laughs> Maybe okay. I'm a vampire. You could be. Uh, you're a fun vampire. You suck the fun out of this podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe last week I did, yeah. <laughs> okay, so yes, that's how we generally picture vampires in North America. And actually, probably ever since Bram Stoker's Dracula came out and became like a worldwide phenomenon, that's probably how the majority of people now picture Other vampires. Twilight. Right, yes. Twilight has... Please tell me we're not talking We're not discussing okay. anything that has awesome. to do with Twilight. Perfect. You were the one who brought it up. No, I was, just, I, was, I was just saying, you said that, you know, a lot of, like, Western culture thinks of, like, you know, no, no but, types, but, like, also Twilight. Yes, okay. Those aren't... Right. I'm talking Halloween vampires. Perfect. Not fashion model vampires. The glittery ones. Right. Okay, so, you want to hear about some cool around-the-world vampires? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I looked up the pronunciations of these ahead of time, and I will do my best. Vampire. 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 So the first one I want to talk about is from Romania, oh. which is what? I know this one. Okay. <laughs> You're just like, oh, you looked really No, no, no. I didn't mean to say I didn't, I didn't mean to sound upset. I was like, oh, I know this one. So this a vampire is kind of like the basis for European vampire lore. Yeah. Um, and it's called the Strigoi. So Romanian vampire lore is not only what influenced Hollywood's version of Dracula, but they still and th that's a this is a generalization. But a lot of people in Romania tend to still believe in the legend of vampires or at least superstitions about vampires today. Sure. Strigoi are spirits or people that have died and like risen from their graves. They can transform into animals, any animal, not just bats, okay. but any animal. They can go invisible and they drink the blood of humans, which is how they get their energy and sustenance and vitality. Because oh. they're dead, they need to drink living blood. Oh, okay, so only humans, no cow blood or anything. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure the, the thing about all of these legends is I'm sure from family to family, the story differs because sure. these are, you know, everybody's got different rules for playing Monopoly. Everyone's got different vampire do, stories. Do, do people have different rules for playing Monopoly? I feel Monopoly? like everybody has some kind of different rule. Oh, I don't like house rules because I'm a lame -o. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the Strigoi can only be born under certain conditions. Such as dying before getting married, hmm. dying by suicide, dying by execution for perjury. Specifically perjury. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Leading a sinful life. Whatever that means. Yes, yeah. that's a catch-all. Being the seventh child of the same sex in a single family. Interesting. Or being cursed by a witch. Sure. So, I mean, I guess if you believe in vampires, you that's, also believe in witches. That's, that's interesting with the seven thing. I've always thought seven was like a lucky number and 13's the unlucky number. And I I don't know why, but my family has always said lucky 13. That's wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways, th- this list probably is not exhaustive. Just some examples. Yeah. Yes. I wonder I mean, where the perjury thing came from. That's just like so I'm specific. wondering if a lot of these are like, don't do this or you'll turn into a vampire. Don't lie under oath. <laughs> right. <laughs> so to prevent a vampire or a strigoi from getting out of their graves and harming people, the coffin has to be completely nailed shut or a stake has to be placed through the heart of the body, pinning them to the coffin okay. so they can't physically rise out. Sure. Another preventative method is to dig up the body of a suspected strigoi and behead it, remove its heart, cut it in half, drive a nail into its forehead, put garlic under its tongue, and then rebury it face down so that when it wakes up, it heads into the afterlife instead of up towards the surface. All of those things you just listed, do you have to do all of them or those are just some examples? My guess is you can pick or choose. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I was confused. It's like, do you have to do all of these things? I, this is a list of just things you can do to sure. combat Perfect. a strigoi. Strigoi. So there are historical accounts of real people, Romanian people, having been vampires. So a man named Jur Grando. Alilovich, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Romania. He died in 1656, and apparently, 16 years after his death, he came back and started killing people. His body was dug up. He was decapitated by the local priest, and that ended his killing spree. Wait, so okay, so he came up 16 years after he died, mm-hmm. but then they dug him up to behead him. Yeah, see, that's another thing about vampires I don't understand because they just phase the lore, through the ground, right? And- in the lore where you believe that the vampire is a like a revenant, right? Like a person resurrected from the dead, then they would have to get out of their graves, physically assault people, and then get back into their graves before daylight. But their grave would appear undisturbed. Then again, the whole thing is supernatural. Right. Well, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So it's almost like more spiritual where they like, they phase out of their coffin and through the ground and then at nighttime haunt the area. Yeah. And then go back through the ground. Yes. There's a lot of places or cultures that see vampires as not as like raised undead humans, but as spirits or demons. Okay. In this case... Yes, from what I was reading, it, it's kind of either or. If you're from Romania or have the Strugoi as part of your cultural tradition, you should contact us. Yeah. So they dug his body up and decapitated him, which I think is probably interesting because he was probably a skeleton at the time, yeah, 16 years 16 after his years death. Later. But that is written down in history as cool. having happened. I like it. Metal. Right. There's accounts of villagers burning down a count's fortress because they believed that he was back from the dead killing children. So, I mean, there. what I'm trying to get at is there are like real life yeah. ramifications of these myths. Sure. In 2004, a Romanian woman claimed that she was being visited by her deceased uncle. So several of her family members led a hunt to dig up his coffin, remove his heart, burn the body, and drink the ashes mixed with water, because that's how you combat. What did they burn to get the ashes? The heart. The heart. Interesting. Yes, and that seems to be tradition, traditional method of getting rid of or protecting yourself from a vampire in 
multiple legends, mm. mostly in Europe. Right. But you cut out the heart, you burn it, you mix the ashes with water, and you drink it. Drink it like alka seltzer. Right. So what's interesting about this story is that this practice was made illegal by the Romanian government. <laughs> okay. Not necessarily because it's weird to dig up graves, but because... Health at, concerns? Well, probably health concerns, but also they were at the time trying to join the the European Union. And they're trying oh, to like... Okay, yeah. Right. Which, I mean, no, that makes sense. Don't quash cultural traditions just to join a union, but yeah. also maybe leave dead bodies alone. Both. You know what? Don't, don't take my opinion. Do your scientific You're, research. You don't even live in Europe. So. Right. I'm an American. What do I know? Anyways, the hunting group was arrested for disturbing the peace of the dead, and they were sentenced to pay damages. So. For digging up their own uncle? Yeah. Who are they paying? Well, I assume it was extended family probably paying the immediate family. Oh, I was going to say, like, paying the estate of the uncle. <laughs> You're just putting money back into your pocket, but yeah. But in in the village where that happened, the tradition now is to drive a stake through the heart or stomach of the dead as a preventative practice. Before you bury it. Before you bury them. Hmm. Okay. Which is interesting. Can you, you've always told me that you want to be buried in yeah. a coffin, like you don't want to be cremated. Right. How would you feel if I drove a stake through your chest to keep you in the coffin? If they let you, you can. Really? Yeah. I don't think they'll no. let you, though. But. I mean, I assume I can do whatever I want. No. No, man. There was that whole story recently about a guy that made a guitar out of his uncle's bones, and he had to go through weeks and months and, I think, years of paperwork. Yeah, but it. I'm not taking your bones. I'm leaving a stake. It just happens to be... Make sure it's rare, though. Perpendicular to your body. <laughs> Anyways. So that's the Strigoi. Next, we have Mexico. We're going to the other side of the world, mm -hmm. Mexico. We're going to talk about the Cihuateteo. So the Cihuateteo is from classical Nahuatl, which is the indigenous Aztec language. Okay. It means divine women. The Cihuateteo were spirits of women who died in childbirth. So what's interesting is that women who died in childbirth in Aztec culture, were considered equivalent to male warriors who died in battle. Mm -hmm. Interesting, but unrelated. It was the same thing in Spartan culture, where yeah. women who died in childbirth got a, a soldier's burial. burial. Yeah, That's not related. However, for the Aztecs, the belief was that when a woman goes into labor, she's leaving her body, and she's going out to actually physically capture the spirit of her newborn child. And if she succeeds, her kid is born and she gets the kid. But if she doesn't succeed in capturing it, she dies and her spirit remains out. That's cool. In the ether. If that's the case, she's kind of like in that in-between, between alive and dead, and she transforms into a siwateteo. On five specific days in the Aztec calendar, which is a very complicated calendar... We talked about that a while ago, yes. too. So these Cihuateteo would return to the earth, and they were known to haunt crossroads. They'd steal children, cause insanity and seizures. They induced men to adultery. And in order to, like, appease them or deter them from getting you, 
You would you would put up shrines to appease them on those five days. Okay, sure. They had claw fists, clawed feet, and they had pregnant bellies, which basically, I mean, if you died in childbirth, right. you'd still be pregnant. They have messy hair, and they wear belts made of snakes. And sometimes they're depicted as carrying staffs with heads on them or wearing flayed skin. A lot of accessories going on. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really love to accessorize. Yeah. But it, you'll notice in this vampire legend, they're not necessarily feeding off blood or energy, but they're still kind of like a revenant, a person stuck between living and dead. Mm-hmm. And back to take something from the living. In every single one of these instances, they're taking something from you. So they're stealing your children, which would make sense. They're causing insanity and seizures. So they're taking your mental. Yeah, taking your capacity. Yes. And then inducing men to adultery. They're stealing your stealing your men (laughs) or or in the terms of men, life force. Yes. So that's the Aztec, the Siahuateteo. Next, we have Greece, and I'm going to butcher this because I tried looking up how to pronounce this name, and all I got was some American dude going, Vrykalaka. It's all Greek to me, baby. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Vrykolaka. Vrykola. <laughs> Vrykolakas were spirits raised from the dead, like all other vampires. You could become a Vrikolaka after you die if you lived a sacrilegious life, were excommunicated, buried in unconsecrated ground, or if you have eaten the meat of a sheep that had been wounded by a wolf or a werewolf. See, a lot of these make sense. And then there's the one in there that someone was like, um, you can also become one if um, the space button on your keyboard gets stuck while you eat Cheetos. It's very weird that it's like that's the lesson you take from it. Don't eat sheep if it's been touched by a wolf already. That's wasteful. <laughs> That's a good, good, good point. I mean, you're well, saying like culturally, you want to use as much as you can. And maybe from... wolves carried some sort of disease. Okay, yeah. That could be passed on through sheep meat. Sheep meat. <laughs> so the bodies of people who have become bricolacas do not decay. They actually swell up, and they seem to have a ruddy complexion, like a red face. They tend to get flushed. And that indicates that they've just consumed blood. Hmm. I like assume, a mosquito. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I assume there is a scientific explanation in like the manner bodies decay that would explain swelling and redness. Yeah. But that actually means they're vricolaca and they've eaten blood. The vricolacas themselves leave their graves to roam around. So... That's like what we were talking about earlier. They're physically leaving their graves and then coming back into them. And then when you dig them back up during the day, you can see that they've just eaten blood. Mm. Their thing is that they knock on the doors of houses and call out for residents. If the person answers, they'll soon die and become a Vrikolaka themselves. Mm. I think that's interesting because they don't mention that if you answer the door, the Vrikolaka is going to suck your blood. They just say you will be dying soon. So, like, that's how they turn other people. It's like yeah. a Mormon coming to your house trying to... <laughs> exactly. 
Yes, exactly. The other thing is Rikolakas are not limited to blood. They actually seem to prefer human livers. The bloodiest tasting. Yes, yeah, it basically is. If it comes across you while you're sleeping, it's it may drink your blood, but it also might crush you by sitting on your chest. Oh. So that might be, I mean, an explanation for that. If you go back to our right. sleepy time scaries is sleep paralysis. Right. Yeah. There's a version of that in every culture. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, I, I guess it would make sense to connect it to like a vampire like monster. Yeah. So the way to kill one of these bad boys is the usual impaling, beheading, dismembering, cremating. And this makes sense. Right. Because this is we're getting towards Eastern Europe. We've got Greece and Romania. It makes sense that they would share Share similar myths. So people also might bury the corpse upside down and put certain items with the body that might appease a demon and keep it from raising a corpse. So in some cases, Rikolak are created by demons. Mm. And when you say bury upside down, do you just mean like they're lying face down? Sure. So that they're facing the ground as opposed to facing up towards heaven. Face down, ass up. Right. Exactly. (laughs) There was also a superstition that um, you, if you placed a pile of poppy seeds or grains on their grave site, the vampire would be too preoccupied to roam around because they have to count each grain individually okay. at the rate of one grain per year. That is very interesting. I forget what monster or like creature it is, but there's something from Japanese mm-hmm. mythology that yes. has to do the same thing. Yep. And I will, well, I won't maybe necessarily. It's Chinese. It's Chinese. Chinese. Are, yep. Yes. And I will get to that one. Oh, okay. But back to the Rikolaka. During a famine, in 1941, graveyards were so overfilled that families ended up having to bury loved ones outside of the cemetery. And if you remember what I said, unconsecrated yeah. ground makes a vampire. Because this was one of the ways of Rikolaka could be created, families started beheading corpses before burial. To prevent this. I mean, as recently as 1941. So this isn't necessarily... Oh, 41. Okay. I was wondering why there were so many deaths, but it's probably... World Famine. War. Well, oh, well, I was thinking World War II, but... I'm sure that contributed to it as well. But. Right. There's also examples of Rikolaka from the Neolithic period in ancient Greece from around 4000 BCE. So, I mean, this, is, this isn't like a recent myth. I mean, this goes back thousands of years and uh, graves have been excavated with heavy stones placed on the corpse's head or chest in order to trap them in the grave and keep them from raising from the dead Hmm. so this superstition lived on through the years i mean there's examples in the byzantine area of bodies being cut in half and sealed in their graves with rocks um in ottoman greece there was an incident of an adult pinned to their tomb with 20 centimeter nails so, I mean, these are traditions and beliefs that go back thousands and thousands of years. It seems like it's inherent in just humankind to believe in some kind of raised from the dead. Yeah. It's just interesting I, I mean, to it's me. a scary thought to like, you know, five years after your wife dies and she, right, you know, yes. comes back alive. Like, yeah, make sure she stays dead. Right. So here's what you were talking about. This is China, the Jiangxi. Okay, I think I remember actually what it is. Is it those things that like have their arms out? Yep. 
Okay. Okay. So the Jiangxi is the Chinese hopping vampire. Yes. Another reanimated corpse. There are a bunch of superstitions as to how a Jiangxi is made. I read about curses, supernatural arts, being possessed by a spirit, can become a Jiangxi if you're not buried immediately after the funeral, if the corpse is struck by lightning, if a pregnant or black cat jumps over the coffin... If the soul fails to leave the body because of suicide or, interestingly, the person is infected with the Jiangxi virus. What is that? Apparently they think that it could be, it's a virus that can be passed oh. from, I don't know, corpse to corpse. Interesting. The other zombie adjacent fact about the Jiangxi is that it's not like a reanimated corpse that looks like the person is alive. It entirely depends on the state of the body. So, like, if you just died, you would look like a perfectly normal person and people might not know you're a Jiangxi. But if you're, you've been dead for decades, you might look like a rotting flesh. Right. Yes, just be a skeleton. Well, the hopping is going to give it away Right, regardless. yes, that's the next point. They're so stiff that they're unable to move their limbs, so they have to move around. By hopping. Right. Like and that, a and that's why cartoon their arm, character. And that's why their arms are out, too, because, to like, stabilize rigor mortis. themselves. Oh, I thought it was just because the rigor yes. mortis, too, like, it keeps their arms in that locked position. Right, too. but, like, generally they're pictured with, like, in the zombie-like stance with their arms out. Right. Right in front of them in order to kind of, like, stabilize their movements. I don't know. It's a hopping vampire. Right. <laughs> I think they're also almost always dressed in this particular way, too. Yes. So they're dressed in coat-like robes with round-topped hats. I'm forgetting. It's like a specific It's a specific era. dynasty yeah. of dress. Yes. Uh, they have greenish skin. They generally have long white hair. And they don't feed on blood. They feed on the chi of a living individual to grow more powerful. My understanding is that's basically like life force right. energy. It's like, it's literally the force and Star Wars stole right. that basically. As the legends have like become more and more commonplace and Western vampire lore has gone into China, they're also now stated to drink blood as well, depending on Sure, the they just kind of combined some yeah. stuff. So to counter a Jiangxi, you can use a mirror because they are terrified of their own reflections. Hmm. That's interesting because in Western lore, no reflection, no reflection. Yep. Items that are made from wood of a peach tree can ward off a Jiangxi. I believe peach has some sort of symbolism for like life energy. Okay. Um, and rooster's call can as well. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, re I actually do remember that from a different story. Yeah. Yep. Dumping a pile of rice by it will slow it down because it has to count each individual grain. Or you can write a spell in chicken blood and attach it to the vampire's forehead. You'd have to get pretty close to it. I feel like as you're getting towards it, it would be sucking out or, all your cheek. Well, or you can sneak up behind it and it can't move its arms. <laughs> Just slapping on its forehead. Yeah. So that's a very loose outline of the Jiangxi. I, I will say though out of all of the different vampires you've talked about that one's definitely my favorite because like it's so specific looking yeah and if you ever like it was actually a really common like thing to fight in a lot of like really old video games that came from like Japan and Korea mm -hmm. it's just like a really famous 
scary monster over there. I believe that I read there dressed in that certain time period of clothing it was some sort of propaganda sure. campaign by the next dynasty to uh, kind of discount the okay i first i mean i i know almost nothing about it but i always assumed it was just they're recruited into like the army of the dead no so like they're wearing the garb of an old dynasty or something no i think it's just that's how the legend was <laughs> popularized and now that's what they always wear now we're moving on to India with the Vitala. So Vitala is a spirit that can inhabit and reanimate corpses to move around. So it's not the actual person. Like you're not being raised from the dead. A spirit just decided to enter your corpse and use you sure. as a vehicle. Sure. Yeah. They haunt cemeteries. They drive people mad. They kill children. They cause miscarriages. And these spirits are spirits of the dead that are trapped between living and dead. Okay. Again, that theme, people believe that there's some state between living and dead that you can get stuck in. Limbo. Right. I just think that's so fascinating. So they're not constrained by time and space. And these particular spirits have intense knowledge of past, present, and future events. So some people try to capture them and keep them as slaves. Mm -hmm. To defeat them, there's you can chant specific mantras or perform proper funerary rites on the corpse. Sure. They also have another one in India. I'm sure they have many, but another one that I read about is called the Rakshasa, which is a shape-shifting undead demon that can turn into an animal, monster, or an attractive woman. Because we're monsters. Mm -hmm. Meant to lure men to their deaths. And then they consume raw flesh. Nice. So these vampires in particular cannot be put into direct sunlight. And they wander through cemeteries at night. Right. So it's interesting. Like every culture has a legend that has a piece that also shows up in another culture. And not necessarily because of like the westernization of the legends. They originated themselves yeah, years and years Years ago. and years later. What is that evolutionary parallel evolution? Charles Darwin. I sure. Don't I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it is interesting, though, because, I mean, going back to evolution, if you were to actually believe, and I hope you do, <laughs> that we all kind of came from the same group of, you know, ancestors, right. wherever that may be. I mean, it would make sense that there are shared stories that passed on yeah. in every different civilization across the world. And that's crazy interesting okay so i studied linguistics in my undergrad and you know you can take a language and you can deconstruct it and go all the way back to one common language right and they've been able to reconstruct as as well as they can having never heard it like what it may have actually sounded like i think it's crazy fascinating you can do that with you may be able to do that with mythology and stories right. and take like pieces that cultures have in common and take them back and like imagine that there's some. Well, and especially with death, too. And I mean, this is all related to death. Everyone has to die and every culture yes. has like a ruler of the underworld type character and a guide to the dead, too. So, like, yeah. It's just, it's Sharon fascinating and how... and Greek culture, and there's a version of that in everything. Right. It's just crazy how all human brains kind of seem wired 
the same way, which would make sense because, because we're, we're all, all humans. humans. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So let's, I swear I'm a human. I am not. I am not a robot. <laughs> so let's move to Malaysia, the Lang Suyar. I, I don't want to move though. Well, we're I'm moving. Fi- on. I'm, I'm fine with staying right here. It snowed today. I want everyone to know that it is mid-April and it snowed. Yeah. Anyways, back to sunny Malaysia or rainy, warm. Depending, back to warm Malaysia. True. There are multiple different vampires in Malaysian lore. Lang Suyar, in particular, is a woman who died during childbirth. What Seems does that a, remind you of? Uh, like half of the other ones you talked about. <laughs> so, the reason I like this one is because she may be an extremely beautiful woman with ankle-length black hair, or a floating dead woman's head with the entrails and spinal column hanging like a cape. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> I like it. So if they if if they have arms, they've got really long nails, they wear green robes, and they prey on humans, particularly enjoying the blood of newborn male children. Hmm. I've noticed that a lot of these have to do with childbirth. So I'm wondering, like, death by childbirth must have happened so often in. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it obviously did. It still happens often today, but they would need you would need some sort of explanation for it. And I guess a vampire would be. Well, why not? It's an sure. easy explanation. You can prevent a woman from becoming a long CR through exorcisms, or or you can put glass beads in the corpse's mouth, a hen's egg under each armpit, and needles in her palms. Because this causes her to be unable to open her mouth to shriek, and um, she can't wave her arms or the eggs will break. Don't make a messy yoko. Right. (laughs) You don't want to make a mess. And uh, she can't open her hands to have them turn into wings to fly away. So basically you're trapping the spirit. By covering all the bases. Yeah. All right. Again, this is not like an, an old legend. In 2013, there were actual sightings of Alang Suyar in a particular Malaysian town. People reported cackling and seeing a long haired banshee flying. The local authorities of the town gave everybody the advice to band together and to pray to get it to go away. Hmm. The power of prayer. A local shaman claimed to have captured it and a religious officer of the town actually acknowledged its existence but refused to talk about it because it's sacrilegious to mention it. Okay. So it's interesting the juxtaposition between like you have beliefs cultural beliefs but then you have your religious beliefs that clash with your cultural beliefs and you can't talk about your cultural beliefs because they're sacrilegious but you still believe them even though they run counter to your religious beliefs i mean could be multiple different cultures living in the same country too so i mean that might be part of it but all right here's my last one germany the the nachzerer n-a-c-h Z-E-H-R-E-R. Go. The, the Nightseer? Yeah, Nachtseer. Nachtseer. Okay, so they are born after a suicide or sometimes from accidental death. I imagine it's you kill yourself, whether that's on purpose or by accident. Okay. That's how you become one. You don't become a Nachtseer by being bitten or attacked. It's not considered like a communicable disease. You know, like... Like, like our vampires. Yeah, yeah. These vampires actually eat their own bodies, and the more of themselves that they eat, the more of their own family 
family's energy they physically drain. Weird. It's like a cannibalistic zombie. Yes. So they can be defeated by putting a coin in their mouths and chopping off their heads. Because the idea is that the coin in the mouth causes paralysis in the same way they're driving a stake through the heart of a vampire. Coins come up a lot in death culture, too, just mm-hmm. because um, it stems from that Greek teaching of you do need a coin to cross the river sticks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's in a lot of other different types. Of well, and metal, too. too. Iron. Metal. <laughs> it's totally metal. So Noxeras can be found pretty easily. Like they can't they can't sneak up on you because you can um, always hear them eating themselves because they make noises like this. Wait, so they're eating themselves yes. or eating other Noxeras? No, nope, themselves. Oh, so it's like auto-cannibalism. Yes. Cannibalism. Yeah. Oh, and I misunderstood. So w- one story I read, the Noxera was eating itself. But then in other stories I read, they were eating their funerary shroud. So, I mean, I that one makes more sense because, like, you can only eat so much of yourself before you... Can't move anymore. Yeah. So, I don't know. Either way, you hear them like... I'm sure that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think about all those worldly vampires? They're very, very interesting how, like, many similarities there are, but also in, like, there's so many cultural specific things, too. Like, mm-hmm. in China, the rice thing. Yeah. And the the egg one, too, I feel like that's probably a cultural thing, too. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, let's go back to America. Merca. Why are we going back? We're already here. <sighs> okay. So, so, all of those vampires are scary. But, other than Edward Cullen, since you already brought up Twilight, I, I, and Hollywood vampires. Vampires, as a concept, feels like a superstition that lived in old Europe. Like... As we At least our version. Yes, yes, our version. However, have you ever heard the story of Mercy Brown, the most famous American vampire? No. Well, here's a short, short story about her. The Brown family lived in Exeter, Rhode Island in the 1880s. Okay. George Brown owned a farm, did normal New England farm stuff until consumption a.k.a. tuberculosis, Mm -hmm. took hold of his family. In 1883, his wife Mary died. And six months later, his 20-year-old daughter, also named Mary, died. Then about nine years later, in the winter of 1892, his 19-year-old daughter Mercy died. Tuberculosis at the time, or germ theory in general, was not super well studied or understood. So... When George's son, Edwin, also started showing signs that he had tuberculosis in 1892, the people of Exeter were like, it's got to be vamps. <laughs> and it's got to be a vamp. There's no other explanation. Why are they just attacking this one family? Right. Naturally, this vampire has to either be Mary, Other Mary, or Mercy. Coming back, like caught between heaven and hell, attempting to drain the life forces from the family in order to return to life. Wait, so if all of them died from TB, but it's being caused by a vampire, 
how could it be any of them if they had to die first Look, from the dude. same cause? <laughs> We're talking about. I know, I know. I'm just saying, like from that line of thought, uh, no, the I vampires agree. should not be any other family. We're talking about like a Salem witch trials level of vampire hunting same in this area too. Yes, the, that that area of the country they mm. band together. New England, yeah. Um, George Brown was like not into this theory. He was like, there's got to be some scientific well, explanation course, for this. Yes. <laughs> but he agreed to let the townspeople exhume all of their bodies. I assume he agreed because they probably would have done it anyways from the vibe that I yeah, got. Yeah, sure. The wife, Mary, and the daughter, Mary, were dug up. And since they had been dead for like nine years, they were just bones. So, you know, they couldn't have been vampires. How are bones supposed to, to, to steal your life force? Right. However, when they opened Mercy's grave, her body was found laying on its side. And instead of like looking pale and dead, her face actually was flushed and her cheeks were red. And they cut her open and they found out that she still had blood in her veins and blood in her heart. So they took this as a sign that obviously she's undead. And roaming around at night. And then going back into her grave to sleep it off. I agree. They made a bonfire. They cut out her heart and lungs. They burned them, mixed the ashes with water, made Edwin drink them, since that's the traditional cure for vampirism. What, what country was that? From? That was the Romanian one? That was Romania, yeah. But they're doing this in Rhode Island. Well, this is the 1880s. I mean, like, the American... Legends of the vampire were at that time still influenced by Eastern Europe. Sure. So I just think it's interesting. It's like that same specific cure to or way to fight a vampire. Right. So I'm wondering if like it was Romanian immigrants or something. Could have been. So he drank that and. And he loved it. <laughs> he died two months later. Oh, anyway. Sure. Yeah. So they reburied the rest of her body, and now you can still you can visit her grave and be like, "Hey, sorry, your family thought you killed the rest of them." You know what this reminds me of? My great aunt was a vampire. I mean, she could have been. She could have been just as pale as me. She was an actress in like nineteen forties. Uh, Quit break. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you, she was in one movie, and I would not consider it even B-horror. It was called Night of the Living Corpse, about this, essentially, this exact story. Hmm. Like, family member dies, other family members start dying as well. It must be. Vamps. Vamps. Okay. Okay. So, obviously... All of these stories are very different from each other, but they also, as we said, have a bunch of commonalities. For instance, vampires, they drain something vital to humans, blood, energy, life. And honestly, they all have similar sounding methods of defeating them, which is... Sticking them back into the ground and keep keeping them, them in the ground. Yes. Physically weighing it down, pinning it down, nailing it down, preventing them from being able to physically leave, which honestly to me sounds like torture. I mean, think of like if, well, if you, they're already dead, how is it torture? But what if they're coming back to their bodies and then they're like stuck in their coffins, unable to leave for eternity? I guess, but they're also coming back to harm the living. Yeah, so. yeah I guess, you know, 
Killer beak. Apples and oranges. This inability to physically leave, this this idea of weighing them down, might be why iron is known to ward off vampires in particular, because you would use iron nails traditionally to nail shut a coffin. Sure. And that's also similar to the stake through the heart. It's not like a weird random method of death. The stake would be driven through you to just physically pin you to your coffin. And that ended up morphing to, oh, you have to wooden stake through the heart. And then the wood ended up becoming more mythological. Like some people believe it has to be ash because that's the the wood Jesus's cross was made out of. Uh-huh. And vampires obviously fear anything Christian because, you know, the almighty God could smite them. smite them. That sort of thing. So why can't vampires see their reflections? Eh? No. Well, originally, mirrors were made with silver, oh, which is a metal okay. considered for its purity. As far as the the trope of having to be invited in, I looked around. Like, where could that have come from? Because mm-hmm. people can easily break into your house. The most interesting and maybe logical explanation I got kind of traces back to medieval times. So, like, uh, apparently... You could go to any house in medieval times and ask for food and shelter. Sure. I mean, it was. I mean, you I mean, could it, do that now, but right, it but was like, more it was, common back sure. then. Yeah, yeah. And people tended to do it, to, or if they had the means. If yeah. they had the means, they would. You'd be provided with shelter and food, but there was like this honor code. That you would not steal anything, you wouldn't hurt anyone, you respect the general rules, and also you would probably likely help out around the house or with certain chores or do something to pay. A little more communal. Yes. And and I guess that makes sense if this is in medieval times because all of the peasants are similar socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status. So, like, you got to fend for themselves. Right. Well, and if, if this... I guess honor code was broken. I mean, the entire community would turn on them. Would turn on them. Yeah. Yep, like they'd shut their doors. Even the homeless people would like turn on them and hunt these people down because they're they're like ruining the good thing right. everybody's got going. Yeah, yeah. So vampires, on the other hand, they're seen as dishonorable and evil. So and they dead. would have and dead. So they would have to be granted permission by the master of the house. To enter. Okay. Well, uh, that, no, yeah, that, it, that makes sense. It's interesting. It's an interesting historical tie-in. Sure. The modern American view of vampires, Dracula, mm-hmm. may have had some influence from the story of Vlad the Impaler, who was a Romanian ruler from 1456 to 1462. And he was known for his favorite way to kill his enemies, impaling them on stakes. And he was also allegedly, this is not proven, known to eat meals among the dying victims. And then he would dip their br- his bread in their blood. Right. I, that sounds to me like... Um, like a horror story to make you scared of the leader. Yes. Thing. Right. I mean, to us, we've always been raised Vlad the Impaler is an evil guy. I think in Romania, he's seen as the just ruler who broke down the oppressors. Sure. Like... Yeah, I guess it depends on what yeah. 
yeah, what culture you come from. But right. Yeah. But apparently Bram Stoker, who is basically what we base our idea of vampires on, he didn't base Count Dracula on Vlad Dac- Dracula. But I mean, similarities are there. Right. Another possible origin of a vampire story, illness. So the plague in particular would cause mouth lesions, which would make you bleed from the mouth, which may make you look like you've been drinking blood. Porphyria is a blood disorder that causes a bad reaction when their skin is exposed to sunlight. And interestingly, some of the symptoms of porphyria can be temporarily relieved by drinking blood. Hmm. I wonder if it's like an iron deficiency or something. And, you know, I'm not sure. People with porphyria also have an intolerance to sulfur-rich foods like garlic. And, side note about garlic, that seems to show up in multiple vampire myths. Like, garlic can ward them off. And that, I believe, this is my own hypothesis. Garlic is an antibacterial. It's been used forever, whether you knew it was an antibacterial or not, as a cure for, like, colds and infections. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if you viewed vampirism as an illness. illness, garlic being the cure to a bacterial illness would yeah. ward them. Like water, like people with rabies avoid water right. sort of thing. That's just my... That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Good job, Colleen. Thanks. Those are my uh, explanations for some of the legends. Uh, if you believe in vampires and you're digging up bodies looking for signs... And I want to believe. ...that someone's been wandering around... And drinking blood. I mean, if you don't understand how human decomposition works, I imagine you look pretty suspicious. There's there's bloating and nausea, puffing, heartburn, and diarrhea. <laughs> right. And today those processes are understood, but back then, if you're looking, if you think there's a vampire and you open a coffin, you're gonna find what you want to see. Right. There was also the occasional case, and everybody's heard of this in, like, Victorian times, of people being buried who weren't actually dead. Yep, and they have to ring the bell. Yep. Yep. Yes, so this could be another, like, vampires in general could be another story that came out of that. Basically, people seem to be coming back to life when really they were probably in, like, a diabetic coma or something. buried alive for whatever reason. Right. So that's, like, normal vampires. I mean... There's vampires today, but those are nerds, and they think they need to drink blood. But And you didn't even talk about psychic vampires. I didn't, but I guess I kind of equate, like, blood and energy with life force. Because psychic vampire, you're, gen- you're, you're, you're taking energy from someone. Right. So, like, your lame co-worker, psychic vampire. Yeah, this whole, I feel like that's kind of like a common thing that people are starting to hear about and believe in in very recent history where it's like they may not even be aware they're a psychic vampire they're just a shitty person and they basically feed off of creating negativity in your life right so then uh, do you believe in the vampire or is that just something you call like kevin who microwaves fish in the office right exactly (laughs) well i have a question for you Hmm. what is your favorite vampire media whether it be a book movie tv show whatever Hmm. I don't know. I so my dad loves 
vampire stories. Yeah. I know that. Yes, he's like way if it's he's not like big into like going to see movies, but if there's a vampire in it, for some reason he's way into And that's it. how your mom tricked him yes. into watching all the Twilight movies. <laughs> <laughs> my mom my mom got into Twilight when we were in high school and um <laughs> when the movies came out, she really wanted my dad to take her and she was like, "Bob, there's a new vampire movie out." And like it's so popular. Everyone's going to see it. And I think we all went. And I kind of remember my dad being like, what is this? Yeah, right. I think when the sparkling happened. Right. <laughs> so maybe in that case, my mom's the psychic vampire. In that instance, yes. <laughs> Anyways, I don't have a favorite. I've seen a lot. Maybe because I've seen so many. They're not my favorite stories. I think they're interesting, but they seem to be very repetitive. Sure. What's yours? Castlevania. For sure. Just oh, I didn't even all, think of that. All one. of the games, the anime. I I just love the combination of like taking creatures from so many different mythos and cultures, but then the bad guys always Dracula at the end. Yeah, I mean he's like he's like the ultimate villain. You yeah. love to hate him, right? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. so that's vampires. Which one of the stories you told are the different versions of vampires which one is your favorite i like the um one that's just a floating head with a spinal cord that one's pretty cool aesthetically i think that's my favorite yes too. aesthetically the coolest i think the scariest ones are ones that roam among us like look like people that yeah. that's scarier to me because you never know i i think my favorite and I forgot the actual name, but the the hopping vampires from China. The Jiangxi. Yeah, I think they're just so different and so unique. And like, it's kind of fun that they can, you can stop them by just throwing rice at their feet. Honestly, <laughs> you could stop them by just like tipping them over. Yeah. <laughs> they they're, just walk, they're just hopping boards because they can't move anything. Yeah. Poor guys. Yeah. Anyways. That was that's, fun. That's vampires. Um, we don't have a listener story this week, but... I wanted to share something with everyone that I read about recently, and I made Colleen watch this as well right before we recorded. So there's this short film called Don't Peek, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's only like six minutes long, so it won't take that long to watch it. But what it is, it's a short film horror story about Animal Crossing the Nintendo video game. And it sounds like that might be a joke, but... It is. That's literally what it is. And I'm not going to give anything else away because it's only six minutes, so I don't want to spoil anything. I actually enjoyed it. But the reason that I'm talking about it is because this short film has done... It was originally just uploaded to YouTube because this person just was bored during the pandemic and wanted to do something. But now it has actually won a lot of awards at different film festivals, like that's horror film or best short film but now this person has gotten some funding to actually make this into a full length feature film ah. um but the problem is it's animal crossing so yeah. they're not going to get permission from nintendo to you know <laughs> make a feature length movie horror movie about animal crossing so they're going to have to you know change some things but it's going to be basically yeah. the same concept from the short film translated into a full-length movie and i'm excited for it because the short film is very fun yeah i have previously stated i do not like horror films i think part of the reason i really enjoyed this one was because it was six minutes long so it got to the point <laughs> but it was like i was very i was actually entertained by it and as i was saying earlier it sounds like a joke and like 
it is a joke, but at the same time, it's like a good, it's good. It's well, well filmed. Yes, well it's actually a scary movie. Six yeah. minute movie. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. I mean, it's called, again, Don't Peek. Um, I'm not sure when this new movie is going to come out or if it's going to be keeping the same name or not. I wonder like how they've dragged the plot out past six minutes well there's no plot in the short film it's I mean, just kinda. it's just one scene so i think they're just gonna ah. write a script around that concept and again i'm not gonna give it away no watch but, it it's good yeah that's all i have um so if you have a personal scary story you would like to share with us please send it to us and we would read it on the podcast with your permission you can send us a dm on any of our socials Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are all at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com. You can also send us a episode topic request as well, if you would like. Yeah. And I think that's about it. Yeah. Um, this episode will be coming out on the 16th. So it'll be the very end of it. But there is a merch sale going on at our store from april 14th to 16th so by the time this comes out It'll you'll be have one end. day left but, but everything's I mean, we'll, up to 35 percent paying attention off. to our socials we'll be posting about it as well yeah get some cool stuff all right so we will catch y'all next week we love you love you bye bye Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.